And if you have your Bibles this morning, and you would, find Mark chapter 1 with us as we're going through the book of Mark. I want to thank Ethan again for uh, being willing to do that when Jamie was gone today. And always uh, make sure and let him know how much you appreciated that. Today I want to talk to you about God's working to change lives. I don't know if you know this or not, uh, but there is always a spiritual battle going on. Whether you come to church, whether you are trying to be a godly husband, a godly wife, a parent, there is always a spiritual battle. And one of two things happens when we look at a passage of Scripture this mo- like we are this morning. Some people will be over uh, spiritualize everything because it mentions an unclean spirit, which is a fallen angel, one of those that would have went with Satan during the rebellion. And other people will say, well, I don't believe any of that. I don't believe anything happens that I can't explain that's outside of my comfort zone. But yet the Bible teaches us there is always a spiritual battle. We have an enemy who is like a raging lion seeking whom he may devour. And that includes you. And you say, Jake, why is there a spiritual battle in the lives of men? One, because Satan has no power against the Lord. Uh, The Lord has already defeated him. We read from Revelation chapter 20 that he will be ultimately defeated. But in this time where he is at work, he is at work in the lives of people. Today you say, well, Jake, what does that mean for me? Well, one, if your marriage is struggling today, you need to know what the Word of God says. You say, well, Jake, what about my prodigal children and grandchildren? Then you need to hear what the Word of God says. What about church in general? You need to hear what the Word of God says because the power to overcome in spiritual battles is not in the flesh. It's not in earthly wisdom. It's not in your determination. It is of the Lord. And so if you would stand with me today, if you're able, in Mark chapter 1, we're going to read verses 21 through 28. Starting in verse 21, the word of God says, Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. If you would pray with me. Father, today we come asking for you to show us, to reveal to us, Lord, to make us realize that, Father, there is a spiritual war going on. Lord, that the decisions we make, the opportunities and struggles that come along our life, are not by chance, Lord, they're not by accident, Lord, that we have an enemy. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would show us your word, 
how we can overcome, how we can experience victory. Lord, how you can set us free. And so, Lord, I just ask for the clarity of mind, the willingness to yield ourselves to the Spirit, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your copy of God's Word and you're taking notes this morning, I want to show you the first thing about overcoming in spiritual warfare and understanding the battle that you face is the power of God's Word. The power of God's Word. Look here in verses 21 and 22. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he, being Jesus, entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Uh, After uh, Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonians in the 600s uh, B.C., uh, there was no temple to worship. And so the Jewish people would be in a city and they would start a synagogue, a local congregation of Jewish people. Very similar to us having local congregations of churches. And as you know from the Old Testament, the Sabbath day was commanded by the Lord to be a day of rest and worship. And so Jesus, coming in on the Saturday, goes to worship. He sets the pattern for us. While Jesus was alive, as the book of Luke said, the habit of Him was to go to worship. We know as New Testament Christians, we worship on Sunday because the Lord arose on Sunday. The early church worshiped on Sunday to celebrate the victory over sin and death. So Jesus shows us the importance of being with other believers, studying the Word of God together. And so on the Sabbath, on Saturday, they would have opened the Old Testament Scripture. Someone would have taught it, explained it, and then through the week, this would have been a school teaching the things of God. And so what we see here is when Jesus shows up, He begins to teach And what would have happened in this day and age was Jesus would have been asked as a visiting rabbi to teach, to share what the scriptures mean. And Jesus begins to teach unlike any other person that has ever taught to these people. He wasn't quoting so-and-so and this person felt this way and this rabbi taught this. No, he showed up as the living word and taught them with authority and confidence and knowing that the Word of God changes lives. And this morning I want you to know this because what I hear all the time is, Jake, I'm just too busy to read God's Word. I don't read well and so I don't read God's Word. But there are two things about the Word of God. If you are here today and you are struggling spiritually, if you are struggling just with stress and exhaustion and just uh, feeling like you're not getting anywhere, that there is a weakness in your life, it is because of a lack of the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, But He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We know that in a child. When you're little, you are eat and you grow up. When you are old and you eat, you grow out and over at some point, right? And so we see that. And what is happening, I believe, in this church and in churches and with God's people everywhere I am at, is it is we're starving. We're starving because of a lack of God's Word. We listen to Christian music. We listen to sermons. We, we do other things, but yet are we getting along with God? and praying over His Word, 
and studying His Word. You say, Jake, I don't understand it. Look up here. If God can save you from your wicked self and save you from your sins, He can give you the wisdom to know and understand the Word. If you will draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. But the second thing I see is this from Psalm 119, verses 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We know that we live in a world influenced by darkness. And yet the Bible is the guiding light to know how to avoid the snares and the temptations that Satan sets before us. I always get a kick out of it when I need an example how the Lord allows me to humiliate myself for your benefit. Last night we had a small fire in, in a fire pit, not like in our house, all right? And so I went downstairs after everything ended up and uh, went and got some work done. And so about two hours, like, well, I better go outside and make sure that the whole neighborhood's not on fire. And so, uh, you know, I'm in my underwear and my white t-shirt, and I'm thinking, well, I got to get out there and back because I don't want to get arrested for indecent exposure or something, right? Uh, and so what had happened, though, right before we had a fire, I had pulled all of the shrubs out of our flower bed with my pickup truck. And so there were paving stones, and there were, was landscaping rock all over our sidewalk. I thought, there's no need to turn the front porch light on. I've got this. Not an issue. And so thinking, get out there, get back, don't get arrested, don't embarrass yourself, you know, all of these things. I come out the front porch, jump off the step, right down on it. Right down on the rocks and the paver. And as you can imagine, the next thing that happens is I'm laying in my front yard looking up. Thinking, somewhere in China there was an earthquake, right? And I laid there thinking all I had to do was turn the light on. But if you turn the light on and you're in your underwear and someone drives by, guess what? They see everything. So I was weighing my options here. And as a normal person, you would think, well, you get up and you go to the two steps and turn the light on. No. I'm committed at this point. So I'm going around my house going, oh, ah, oh, oh, oh. Okay, didn't burn the house down. Turn, oh, ah. Get in the house and I realize I'm an idiot. And all of that could have been avoided if I just would have turned the light on. But friends, what you and I do in our lives when we do not study the Word of God is we go through life as parents, as spouses, as individuals, and we are hitting every rock, every bump, every landmine that Satan has put in front of us. Because why? Your Word is a lamp unto my what? Feet and a light unto my path. Parents, if you're struggling with raising your children, it's the Word of God is the answer. If you're struggling as a couple, the answer is the Word of God. As a church, when we make decisions and have things to do, it must always be the Word of God says. It literally is what Jesus shows up and does. He begins to teach the Word, and look what happens. second thing I want to show you this morning is the power... God's presence. Now there was. So as he is in the gathering of Jewish people, 
they are in their version of a church service, something happens. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. Look up here. Satan is always at work when the people of God meet. Don't miss that. They are in a service reading the Word of God and Satan is at work. Or one of the fallen angels that rebelled with him. Friends, don't you be surprised when someone is under the influence of Satan's forces at a business meeting or in a church service or in a Sunday school class. It happens. Satan, the Bible says, appears as an angel of light. And his followers appear as why, as the same. That's why false teachers are so dangerous because they come in looking like the real thing. They make themselves home in the real thing. And so we see here, and he cried out saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You see, the demons recognize who Jesus is. They recognize that He is the Son of God. And this is important because the demons know that their eternal home is in the lake of fire. And so they are thinking, Jesus is here, it's time for judgment. It's time for us and Satan to be thrown into the lake of fire. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible that the demons are always terrified, trembling, crying out? Because they know. They know they're on the losing side. They know that He is the great I Am. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. They know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's interesting that if you read the Old Testament, you will very rarely see things like this. An unclean spirit, a demon possession. And then after Jesus ascends to heaven, I believe it's only twice in the New Testament that we see it again. And why is that? Because, friends, Satan loves to work behind the scenes. He loves to work just below the surface. He likes to divide and destroy. And he likes to sneak in and work and move. But yet, usually, it's not what you see. It's not what you are aware of. But in these few cases in the New Testament, when Jesus shows up, did you notice that these Unclean spirits are not fighting him. They're fighting man. They know they have no power against the King of kings and Lord of lords. They know they have no power against the Son of God. But Satan will always be trying to work and destroy and move in your family. It goes on and says, But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. What was it that began to show and to call this wickedness, this unclean spirit to the surface? The Word of God. The Word of God. Friends, whether it's false teaching, whether it's people in the church who are under the influence of Satan whether it's the people in your life, the one thing that will always stir up the pot. It's kind of like when you tell someone no. right? Everyone's easy to get along with as long as you tell them yes, but you tell someone no and watch their reaction. 
and when they throw a fit and they blow up and they lose their cool, that is what wickedness does when the scriptures are presented. The truth of God's word. The Bible says it cuts. The Bible says that it divides. Jesus teaches us that the word of God is powerful. That every word is inspired and errant and fallible. And so today, if you want to know how to be the parent God wants you to be, the husband, the wife that God wants you to do, stop listening to anything else and find what God's Word says. Find what God's Word says to you when you're going through loneliness and discouragement and when you're struggling with anger, when you're struggling with whatever the sin or issue is in your life. God's Word brings God's presence and God's power into your life. Listen to what it says in Isaiah, the 41st chapter, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When the Lord is involved, everything changes. Every stronghold can be tore down. Every valley can be conquered. Exodus, the 33rd chapter, the children of Israel are getting ready to move. And they've had some up and down moments, some highlights and some horrors. But in Exodus chapter 33, the Bible says these words, And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, you, your people, and I, for all the people who were upon the face of the earth. Friends, if the power and presence of God is not in this place, and in your home, and in your marriage, friends, it's useless. What we are doing here today, if it's not done in the spirit of truth and the spirit of righteousness and according to the Word of God, nothing we do here will last. It might grow for a season. It might flourish for a season. But if it's not built on God's Word and God's truth and God's leadership and the power of His presence to work and move, it is a cheap copy. And that's what Moses says. God, if you don't do it, I don't want to be a part of it. God, I'd rather stay right here, right where you're at, than to accomplish anything. I would rather stay here and worship you and experience you than conquer the promised land. To go back to Egypt. God, where you are, I want to be. Third and final thing this morning. We see the power of God's word. We see the power of God's presence. But after those two things, we see the power of God becomes the testimony. Becomes the testimony. Look in verses 27 and 28. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority He commands even the unclean spirits? And they obey Him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. You see, when the word of God and the power of God changes someone, it becomes the testimony. 
This church is not the testimony. A preacher is not the testimony. Your Sunday school teacher is not a testimony. What God has done in your life, what God has done in the life of your marriage, what God has done in the life of your children, what God is doing in your life daily, that is the testimony that the world needs to hear. They're not amazed because you congregated here. They're not amazed that you gave up an hour of your time. They will be amazed when the living, all-powerful God of the heavens and the universe has changed you. You know how I know that we struggle to talk about what God is doing in our life? One of these Sundays, I want you to walk through the lobby. Don't talk, just listen. Don't be creepy, but just listen. And I will promise you, less than probably 5% of all conversations that go on at church are about what the Lord is doing. It's about something else. It's about work. It's about the sport. All of it, and it's not bad. But if there's one place where God should be at so at work in our life that when we gather together, we want to talk about Him. We want to celebrate Him. We want to share what He's been doing. How He's been dealing with me. How He's been speaking to me in the Scripture. How He's opened up opportunities. It ought to be here! This is the place where I can come and say, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with my neighbor. This week God spoke to me about a sin in my life that I've gotten rid of. God has been dealing with me about how I need to go and ask for forgiveness. Those should be the things that are evident when God's people comes together. But they're not. And the reason is, I believe, in my personal opinion, it's because we've stopped doing this. We've stopped studying it and praying over it and diving into it. And when that happens, friends, the Word of God begins to deal with you. The power of God begins to work in you. And you will not have a choice. God will begin doing things in your life that a lost and dying world will notice. You say, well, you think, you think the lost people are going to notice what goes on in church? They did here. They did right here. I'm going to say this, and I said it in the first service, and I never want to pick on one with the other. So if you're not um, very thick-skinned, I apologize ahead of time. The reason that a generation of people do not want to go to church and do not want to worship in a church is, I believe, because of the influence of the people who already go to church. Friends... Do not be surprised if the entire ride home you talked about how bad the music was and how bad, not this week's music, not, no, not this week, Jamie and Jake, just us, about how bad it was and them not expect to want to come. Or when you wake up on a Sunday morning, are we going today? Well, I really don't want to get a phone call from Jake or I don't want to get a letter from my deacon. I guess we got to go. We just have, we have to. We just got to. And then your kids someday not want to go. If you teach them that it's not a priority, that everything else matters more than worshiping God, when one day when they get out of your house, they don't want it. Don't be surprised. You ought to wake up in the morning and say, Boy, I, 
I just wonder what kind of stupid thing Jake done this week, right? I I just can't wait to hear what God is going to teach us in our Sunday school class. I can't wait for the privilege to serve in the nursery. Man, I just I'm so thankful that we get to go to worship. You say, Jake, no one gets up for church that way. Maybe that's why we're in the shape that we're in. That's all right. You, I don't know how you got up this morning. I come by myself to church, all right? I don't come with the chaos that is the Gray family, all right? I drive myself to church. But what I can tell you is this. You want to know why a young generation doesn't want to worship? Just look around sometime. How are you singing? How are you setting the example? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And your little child standing right there singing. They march them kids in here when they up, you know, they got 60 of them up here in one section. You're thinking, well, probably my kid's going to be picking their nose and some other kid's going to be. They're just so happy. They sing, not all of them, right? But they're, they're excited. They've got joy. Why? Because we haven't sucked the life out of them. They learn from us. Dads, when you come to worship, even if you can't sing, sing. Moms and dads, if you, even if you can't, you can't agree on everything, when you come to church, get along with God and say, Lord, help me to focus on you. God, let me to receive something from today. Lord, let me show the love and joy that I have, even if it is down, down, down in my heart. You see, what we see from this passage of Scripture is the power of God in a terrible circumstance. This man was possessed with an unclean spirit. But yet God set him free. 1 John chapter 5 says this about a testimony. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. If you are a child of God, you have a testimony. You are a testimony of the fact that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. If you have nothing else to give God credit for, if you have nothing else to celebrate God for, that simple thing is a testimony that a lost and dying world needs to hear. In Psalm 19 verse 7, the Bible says it like this, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Did you hear that? The testimony of the Lord is sure. What that means is this. If you have ever been a public speaker, you have probably had this dream. You have a dream where you're speaking to a a large crowd of people. They're engaged. They're enjoying it. They're looking at you totally different than you're looking at me now. And through the sermon, you realize that you don't have any pants on. You say, man, you're on an underwear kick this morning. I don't know what the deal is, all right? But it's a dream you have if you do a lot of public speaking. It's this moment of being embarrassed and being exposed and all of these things. But what this means is the testimony of the Lord is sure is this. You never have to waver if if you declare the truth about God that it is ever going to come back as untrue. Friends, you might put your reputation on the line for someone that you work with. You might go to bat for someone and say, oh, they'll be a great employee. They'll be a wonderful employee. The place hires them and what? Right, you go to bat for someone, man, they're trustworthy, they're honest, you should give them a loan, you should sell them a car, you should, you should do these things, and a week later, but when it comes to the Lord, 
If you say he is going to be faithful, he is always going to be faithful. If you tell a lost and dying world that Jesus loves you, he died for you, and if you'll repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness, he will save you. That is exactly what he does. What you can do in this world of change and and shifting sand and all the baggage that comes with it, if you testify about who God is according to His Word, you will never be embarrassed. You will never be put to shame. I can go into a lost and dying world and say that God is the same because why? He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if He promised to be with you in your time of loss, He will always be with you in your time of loss. If He promised to carry you in your times of weakness and that He'll never leave you, that's exactly what He'll do. The testimony of the Lord is guaranteed. So I can declare that to a lost and dying world over and over again about who God is. Who God is. Who God is, who God is, who God is, how God works, how God moves. And I never have to doubt. And friends, that's the only thing we have in this world. You say, come out to 10 Mile, listen to the preacher. Don't do that. Don't do that. The preacher will fail. You say, well, come out and come to Sunday school with me. Man, you'll never find a better Sunday school. That might be true. But Sunday school teachers fail. Come out to this program or to this event and this. Be careful. Those things change. But if you can tell people about Jesus, how he loves you, how he died for you, how he is working in your life, friends, he will never disappoint. You say, Jake, I just don't feel comfortable telling people about Jesus. Starts right here. Start spending time with him. And the more time you spend with Him, and the more you see Him do, the more it just overflows. The times I am the most grouchy, which is quite a lot, the times I am the most frustrated, the most discouraged, the most down and out, it is because something else comes before this. Oh, I can read it. I can quote it. But sometimes I just skim it. Sometimes I just skim right over it. Well, I read my seven chapters today or my two chapters today or, well, I read my one verse of the day. But friends, you've got to study it. You've got to pray over it. You've got to believe that the Word of God and the power of God can change everything. And if you'll do that, God will give you the testimony you need in front of a lost and dying world that is hurting, that is broken, and needs Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness as always for my failures and shortcomings and the struggles that I have. I pray, Lord, though, that the preaching of your word under the authority of your spirit, on the authority of your word today, Lord, would be received by your people. Today, Lord, I pray that you'd give victory, that you'd give encouragement, Lord, that you would use it to convict Whatever is necessary in the lives of this congregation today, Lord, we pray that you would do it. Lord, I pray right now for anyone in this place that's lost, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only he can do to convict, to work, to move. Father, for your children that are here today, God, I pray that you'd help them to really believe who you are. 
make a commitment to study and to know and to let you be at work in their life. Father, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.